Welcome to Intentionally Grounded. In episode 6, we had the privilege of speaking with Jenks offensive coordinator and published author, Dub Maddox. Dub takes us through his coaching background and what has made Jenks football so successful. Dub also dives into the ins and outs of the R4 quarterback training system, how to implement it, and how it has changed him as a play caller. Dub is one of the premier offensive minds, quarterback gurus, and football authors in the game today. And the knowledge he shares with us throughout this episode is special. Also, stay tuned at the end of the episode to learn how to get a discount on Dub's new book, Adapt or Die, simply by listening to this podcast. We also want to take this time to thank you, the listeners, so much for all the kind words and support you've given us over these last couple of weeks. Me and John truly appreciate everything that you've done for us. We are also truly blessed to have spoken with so many great coaches throughout all our times, and we look forward to bringing more great coaching knowledge to you over the coming weeks. We hope all of you are getting as much out of this as we are, and we would love it if you would take the time to review our show at any one of our platforms that we host our podcasts on, which include Anchor, Stitcher, and iTunes. For all past and future episodes, you can always find all of our content along with our weekly blogs posted on Sundays at igfootballcoach.com. Well, we're here with Jenks offensive coordinator Dub Maddox and also uh, author of the R4 quarterback development system. Coach, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in coaching football. Well, I'm the son of a retired kindergarten teacher and principal, so teaching has been in my blood since birth. I just finished my 17th season as a football coach. Started out coaching receivers at Broken Arrow High School, which is the largest school in the state of Oklahoma, about 5,000 students. And then after uh, the head coach left there, I went to Naples, Florida, and coached at a brand-new high school there. And in 2005, Jinx had a position opening, and I went back to work there and have been there ever since. Coach, talk about Jinx High School and the success that you guys have had. What has it been like? Uh, you know, you won four straight state titles from 12 to 16. What has that what experience been like being there? Well, the culture of the program was already established uh, when I got there in 2005. You know, they had already won six, uh, six state championships, I think, from 97 to 2002. So, you know, the winning was already built. Uh, but one of the key ingredients, you know, that I experienced when I, you know, came into that culture was the environment of, of trust that you felt when you walked in the building. You just felt safe and you felt that you didn't need to have to know everything. And that was important for me as a young coach, you know, and really it's the reason why um, we have been so successful, and any personal success that I've had really is due to that. You know, I was given full freedom uh, to try new things and experiment, and it was a perfect environment for me to develop and, and and create. Speaking of that environment, Coach, what's it been like to work for a, a head coach like Alan Trimble? I mean, what have you learned from him that it's greatly impacted your coaching career? Well, it's the reason why I've stayed there for 13 years. You know, Coach Trimble, he doesn't micromanage and allows you to create and do your job. And, and that is the biggest characteristic that I've learned from him, uh, you know, along with that is just really empathy and empathy for others is probably his greatest asset. You know, he has a unique ability to put himself in other people's shoes and feel what they feel. And it's one of the rarest yet most critical qualities of any great leader. And his example has helped foster that quality in myself. Dub, you're known for being one of the top quarterback developmental minds in the game of football today. Um, you've got the National Football Academy, which you run, and the R4 system, and we'll get into the R4 system a little bit uh, more later on in our interview here. But tell us what led you down the path to become a quarterback developer and what has interested you about the profession and, and a little bit about how you got started. Yeah, well, I played quarterback in youth ball all the way up through seventh grade and loved everything about it, loved the leadership, the pressure. I just loved it all. But the problem was is that I couldn't throw the ball well. 
And so, you know, I got moved to receiver and finished my career in that position, but I always wanted to be a quarterback. And I was a point guard in the basketball team, which is essentially the quarterback in that sport. But when I got into coaching football, I wanted to be a quarterback coach and to be able to give young athletes what wasn't given to me. And that was a process that could teach young men how to throw. So, I, you know, I set out on a mission, on a quest to find the best way to teach throwing mechanics as a young coach. And I came away very frustrated. You know, at the, at the time, there were so many different philosophies and methods out there. You know, one was being that, you know, throwing mechanics cannot be taught. There were many coaches that said you're either born a great Thor or, or you're not. And I almost submitted to that born with the ability mindset until I bought a set of DVDs by Darren Slack. And Darren at the time was out of Orlando, was one of the first quarterback coaches really in this industry that had a system to teach throwing mechanics. And what set him apart was that everything that he taught was backed by science and biomechanics. And I can remember being five minutes into that first DVD and stopped it, stopped it and called him. And we talked for about 30 minutes and I booked a flight to Orlando to watch one of his camps and took a, you know, a book full of notes and thanked him and thought I'd never see him again. But a month later, he called me and said he needed the help for his uh, summer camp tour. And I said, man, if you can cover my flights, I'll work for free. And, and the rest is history. Uh, Coach, going a little bit into your experiences with coaching quarterbacks, what do you believe are the characteristics that are essential for any successful quarterback? And how would you develop these characteristics if they're not present right away? Well, the single most important characteristic is the ability to perform under pressure, and that's a non-negotiable. And the problem, you know, is that that's probably the one thing that I'm not sure that you can develop. You, you can nurture and improve it, but the nature aspect of performing under pressure has to be born within an athlete. And so, you know, I've had some great-looking quarterbacks that I've coached before that have had all the measurables you look for, but as soon as the lights come on and you're down by 14, the wheels fell off. And that's a tough concept to coach. So that's really the first thing that you look for. Um, and really, you know, it's kind of like the Navy SEALs, you know, they, they have the budge training because they want to find out really who can perform under pressure, right? And so, you know, I think there's like a, you know, 20%, you know, pass rate out of the buds. And, and really that's, you know, that's what I'm kind of trying to do when I first get a group of kids or new quarterbacks. I'm going to try to develop some, some tactics. You know, we're not going to put them in the surf and try to drown them, but I'm going to try to develop some tactics that, that really weed those guys out and find out, you know, okay, who has that innate ability to, to handle pressure? Because without that, it doesn't matter what else they can do. And then from there, you're going to look at leadership and, and leadership is another quality quarterbacks have to have. And, and, you know, kids, young kids and young players, they're not going to have all those things that you do need, but what you really want to look for um, that, that really is kind of a, a need is they have to have this ability to, to step into a huddle or, um, they have this ability to make others believe that they can be better than they think they are. You know, it's the kid that everyone kind of gravitates to. And, and that's really what we're looking for first. And then all the other leadership qualities we can try to develop over time. But really, those are the two you know, kind of you know, natural things that they have to have. And those are kind of non-negotiables. Um, physically, you know, what we're looking for that we feel that we can develop and nurture is the first thing is, is accuracy. Your quarterback has to be accurate in order to be a starter or be successful. You know, I can have a guy that can throw it 65 yards, but if he's not accurate, it doesn't matter. And we develop accuracy through a, you know, a series of arm acceleration drills that we've developed uh, within our system at NFA. And, and we go deep process there, but that's really the, the number one physical non-negotiable is the quarterback has to be accurate. You know, arm strength is really icing on the cake, but that's something else that we would look at after accuracy. And I've coached some great quarterbacks that weren't strong throwers, but they were accurate and, and you can still have success there. But you can do a lot more offensively when a quarterback has power behind his throw. So, you know, that is something that we want to develop. And this is an area that we've really improved over the last three years. And we've teamed up with movement coaches like Rob Williams, who's the creator of Sport Corps. 
And that's a system that teaches rotary hip movement strategies that massively increase efficient throwing power. And we've developed a, a F4 series of, of drills for that that we sell on our website at quarterbackacademy.com. And you can check that out there. Dub, what's one drill that you, you think that you guys have to do every day? And, and what is one drill that maybe gives you um, and your guys uh, the most success and is the most transferable to Friday nights? Well, there's, there's never one drill that's going to be the golden ticket to any primary movement for any position. And that's something I think a lot of coaches, myself included, look for. You know, I can remember being a young coach and going to a clinic and, you know, hey, what's that one drill that's going to, you know, cure cancer? I mean, what's that one drill that's going to change my life? <laughs> Right. And, and so, the, you know, the, and the issue is, is there's not a, a magic bullet out there. So my, my coaching colleague, friend, Will Hewitt, who I think is the best quarterback mechanics coach in the country, he bases his training on the law of specificity. And that's a big word. But what it means really is that every drill that you use for your training should be traced back to a real movement or situations of a game. And that has really, that concept has really improved my coaching at the quarterback position. So I guess if you maybe pick one thing, drill, it wouldn't be a drill. It would be, it'd be a, a concept. And that would be to create, you know, environment for every drill that I do. And the environment that I'm trying to create on every drill is a competitive or pressure packed environment that incorporates movement strategies that are position specific to on coaching. So for example, let's say, you know, we want to work a, a drop drill. Um, I, I'm going to make sure that that environment for that drill is going to have some sort of time constraint that forces the quarterback to move game speed. And it has standards on that drill that must be achieved for that drop. And I'm going to make sure that drill is filmed because I think you should film every drill so you can coach in the classroom off of that and get more reps on the field. And then I would have all the quarterbacks compete and determine a winner based on a point structure, uh, based on those standards. Coach, we're going to do a little uh, dive into the R4 system now. Uh, you're kind of the architect behind the system. And, and for, for someone who has never heard of the system, which would be hard to believe, but it would just assume for the sake of the, the podcast that no one has ever heard of it before, how would you describe the R4 system to them? And, and what is its purpose, and how did you develop it? Yeah, well, R4 stands for Rhythm, Read, Rush, Release. And that's the four decision-making buckets that a quarterback has to go through on any given pass play. And so what that does, it provides a quarterback the ability to sequence his progressions of routes with meaning. And each word provides a body of information that holds the DNA of routes and timing. Now, R4 is more than just words that replace a one, two, three, you know, progression. You know, anybody can label a pass play with numbers, but R4 is a process that teaches a quarterback and coach how to read patterns in real time and accelerate post-snap decision-making under pressure to finally determine open. And that's really, I think, where the magic happens is, is the decisions you make post-snap because what we see today pre-snap is not what we're going to see post-snap. I mean, coverages have evolved, pattern matching, post-snap movements, uh, split-field coverages. So your quarterbacks today now more than ever have to have the ability to, to process post-snap under pressure. And R4 was built – um, for that through a time and battle tested military principle called the OODA loop and OODA stands for observe, orient, decide, and act. And that's a forward decision-making process that was created by United States air force fighter pilot, John Boyd. And, and as a fighter pilot, Boyd understood how critical it was to accelerate good decision-making under pressure. And OODA was his answer. So what R4 and OODA provides for the quarterback is the ability to construct mental models of what they anticipate seeing in a small amount of time under pressure. And the common language of the R4 process provides context for the coach and the quarterback to see the field the same way, as well as having the same definition of what open actually look like. And this is, this is critical. I mean, if you want to gauge how well you're coaching your quarterback, ask him to define what open looks like to you. And the answer is going to scare you. 
<laughs> and that and that's what happened to me. I mean, I can remember asking my quarterback first time, okay, what what is open? And, and his answer, I mean, I'll never forget it. I, I I thought I was the worst coach in America. So R four was born out of that question. You know, before R four, I would call a post concept, and as soon as I did, my quarterback he's throwing the post before he even leaves the huddle. You know, even if it's triple covered, he's he's you know three step drop and he's letting it fly. And he would come to the sidelines, and I would say, why did you throw the post? And he replied, because it was open. And then I'm saying, no, it wasn't. It was covered. And so here I am getting in an argument with this 16-year-old kid. And, and that gets old pretty fast. I mean, that, that, is, that is probably the least fun thing about coaching is getting in an argument every time interception is thrown. And every interception has a story, right? And, and, the, and, and so I wanted to eliminate – always. And I wanted to eliminate that. And so the, the problem was is that in the absence of clear frames of reference to what open looks like, then who is right – the coach or the quarterback. And many would say it's the coach because, you know, he's the more experienced guy. Well, that's not really the truth because the coach doesn't have the ball in his hand. So you better be on the same page with your quarterback to define what open is. And R4 identifies that clearly for you and the quarterback. So with the non-negotiables of coverage and the common language, you know, R4 speaks more specifically than just throw to grass. And that's a term that I used to use in my early years. Hey, just, you know, throw, throw the guy open, throw to grass. But how much grass is needed to be open? Is it one yard? Is it two? Is it four? Is it six? And that's pretty vague. And we want to eliminate that vagueness, and that's what R4 does. Dub, what advice would you give to a coach who is considering, you know, maybe switching to the R4 system or at least implementing, you know, bits and pieces of it? And talk about what it was like early on as you implemented it um, at Jenks and, and the learning process and the learning curve that went along with that. Well, the advice I would give to a coach who's considering a switch to the system is that you do not have to be an expert before you implement it. And when we developed the system, I was honest with my, with my players. I was very transparent. I told them, hey, guys, we're going to try some new things here, and I'm not even sure if it's going to work, but I think we found a better way. And, and that statement and transparency gave everyone the permission to fail, and you could just feel the pressure being released in that moment. And the players loved it. Our explosive plays and adjustments that resulted were amazing. And, and really the biggest challenge is just sticking with the process. I mean, as a coach, you know, coaches are so quick to give up a process or a play or a concept because it didn't have success immediately. And as a coach, you know, in the passing game, you have to give your quarterback the ability to make mistakes in the, in the game. You know, and that's the best way to learn is in the game because you can't fully recreate a game environment in practice. I mean, Peyton Manning, he set the all-time single-season interception record as a rookie. But it's through those interceptions that he learned the throws that he can and cannot make along with what his definition of what open actually looks like. But the beauty of R4 is that it can accelerate learning from those mistakes faster because of the non-negotiables in common language provide the coach and the quarterback the ability to self-correct. So the result is learning more from a mistake and building a better mental model from it. So it doesn't take us 43 interceptions to realize, you know what, that is not open. You know, we can make those, those all those uh, answers in, a, in, in, in middle models in three interceptions instead of 43 with that process. Coach, how do you mesh the R4 system with your offensive playbook? Like, for example, what goes into the passing game concepts that are paired with your R4 processing system? Well, when we created R4, I did not want it to be an offense. And I've had so many coaches ask me for my playbook, and I just I tell them, guys, I'm running the same plays as you. You know, I wanted R4 to be an operating system that accelerates and makes any offense run better. Wing T, flex bone pro-style air raid, whatever you run, R4 makes it run better and faster. So think of R4 as Microsoft Windows for a computer. 
you know, Microsoft has programs in a common language that makes a metal box do things that we never thought were possible. And that's what R4 does with you. R4 has a process and a program with a common language that makes your pass plays and your offense work and do things that you never thought were, were possible. And it works with any passing concept because the system is built to operate within the constraints of football. And those are space, time, and talent. You know, R4 is originally built to accelerate the air rate intermediate concept, but over the years we discovered the same process can be used to accelerate quick games, RPOs, play action, run game, game planning, and even play calling. So what started out as a passing system is really now an accelerated system for everything we do on offense. Dub, how how has the R4 system changed how you call plays as the offensive coordinator? Well, I was watching film today of my first couple of years of play calling, and I was cringing because <laughs> I, I was not very good. And, and I was good at calling openers, and I was good at pass plays because the R4 passing system was, was kind of fully developed at that time. But I wasn't as good at calling run plays and making adjustments during the game. And so in 2011, we started toying with the R4 principle and applying the, the passing principles to the run game, game planning and play calling. And the premise was this. In the passing system of R4, that helped my quarterback define open and accelerate his decisions under pressure on pass plays. But as a play caller, I have to do that same thing on every play. So I need a system like my quarterback needed a system that allowed me to read the reality of what was happening on the field instead of having my head buried in my play call sheet. And that's what happened my first couple of years. I would have my you know first and 10 plays, my second media, my third downs. And the play sheet, the, you know, guided my decision-making process. You know, and more, more importantly, you know, I needed help. You know, I needed the other offensive coaches and players to see what I was seeing and know why a play was, was successful or failed in real time. So what we used was a non-negotiable process in a common language and built out key frame of, re- of reference that used, or could be used with the entire field. And we identified run-game defensive weapons with a common language along with game planning and play-calling grids. And what all this did for, for me as a play caller and did for our staff and did for our players was it allowed all 11 players and coaches to see the game the same. We were sharing consciousness and had the ability together to define open collectively. And there is not a better feeling on a Friday night when a player comes to the sideline and is making the suggestions that you're getting ready to tell him or our assistant coach is on the headset telling you, you know, what we, where we need to go to next at the same time you're telling him. And there, there's power in that process and I was finally able to read the reality of what I was seeing, and we were able to do it together and articulate it together, and the result was the gift of adaptability. And that was really the biggest weakness I had when I first started calling plays. I couldn't adapt to what the defense was doing or what my personnel weaknesses or strengths um, were against an opponent. So from, as a result, from 2012 to 2016, we won four state championships, and that really, um, a lot of that is a result of the complete system. Dub, uh, we're going to switch a little bit now to more X's and O's. And let's just, if, to describe your offense, what were some of the, the bread and butter pass plays in your offensive system that you prefer? And then also, how would you describe your offensive system to somebody who's never seen it before? Well, our, our system's going to change every year. And, and our bread and butter plays change from year to year because it's all based on our personnel and our talent. And I think in high school, you have to first determine what your players can do before you decide, you know, what conceptually you're going to run. And once we find out what we can do in terms of creating an attacking space um, and the throws and the, and the routes that we can run and make, along with how long we can protect, uh, then we establish our pass plays. And the same for our runs as well. You know, I mean, we got to determine, can our line, you know, we have, do we have enough pullers to run counter? Um, are we an outside zone team? Are we an inside zone? Are we a gap team? And so what R4 does, it increases the strength of your concepts because it provides a process to a common language 
and route and, and run blocking time non-negotiables that give you a full field attack. So really there's no backside route in our pass concept. So, I mean, if you want to talk about just our pass concepts that we do, there's no backside in our concepts because our quarterback has the ability to navigate his progression and read the best side of space through our four. So the benefit of the passing portion of the system is that all of our receivers will run full speed every play because they know if they're open, the quarterback's going to find them. That's great stuff, Dub. So let's switch over just a little bit now. You're, you've written two books, um, R4, Adapter Die, and then From Headset to Helmet. Um, both of those books, I would say a lot of coaches have them probably sitting in their office, have read them or getting ready to read them. Um, you know, the R4 Adapter Die just came out uh, recently. Can you give us a preview as to, you know, maybe the difference between each book and, and why our audience should should look at picking those up? Yeah, Headset to Helmet was written in 2011, and that book was written to establish the infrastructure of the R4 terminology and kind of show how to implement the process over a variety of past concepts. It also went into protections and, and other things like that. It, it was essentially a workbook that supported the DVD series that was released in 2007 when we created the, the system. Adapt to Die, or, or Die was just released last week, and I'm really excited about this book. Um, the question that I was getting from a lot of coaches was the need of more of an explanation of the R4 route families and how to run them against different coverages. You know, what routes are off steps, what routes are off yards, you know, how do you change versus different leverages and, and you know, cap looks. And so there was a need to go deeper in that exp explanation and how to tie those route families and the drops of the quarterback together. So that was kind of the, the first half of the book and, and why I felt, you know, we needed to write another one. And then I, I would like to really think of this adapter die book as part field manual and part advancements of the passing system. The, the second half of the book was was really to go into the uh, developments and the uh, that we've created in the last four or five years. You know, we've added you know R4 to RPOs. We uh, have added what we call uh, progression platforms that allow us to navigate uh, a, a same play different ways. And so there's a lot of you know new things that have come. And so there was really just a need for both of those things. So that was kind of uh, the genesis of the book and why I felt it needed to be written. Dub, what's it been like to be an author, and what motivated you to become a writer, and how has that helped you coaching? Well, it's the most miserable thing you'll ever do. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, I told myself I would never write another book after Headset to Helmet. I mean, it, the old saying, there's a saying somewhere I, I remember hearing that, you know, writing a book is easy. All you have to do is sit in a chair and bleed, and that's about the truth. <laughs> um, you know, it's it. But I tell you, you know, what really motivated me to write Adapt or Die um, is just going back to when I started coaching and thinking about all the money and time I invested in books and videos to try to become a better coach. And I will never forget the feeling of reading a book or sitting down to watch a video that I paid $40 for and feel like I got robbed. And really, when I write or create content, that is what's in the, always in the back of my mind. I'm haunted by that feeling. And there, there is nothing more valuable than time. And when a coach spends his time reading or viewing something that I've produced, I want to make sure that he comes away a better coach. And so really that was kind of my motivation to write it is just to give this, this knowledge that's been given to me to give it back and just to help advance and improve the game. And, you know, the other benefit of writing and creating is that it forces me uh, to challenge my ideas. You know, it forces me to evolve and improve my methods. And so in a sense, I benefit from it as well, as hard as it is. Just to kind of wrap it up, Dub, what does the future hold for you? You know, what goals do you have in coaching and writing and business? And, you know, you, you've talked a little bit about it. You know, you have two books. You've won, you know, the last four out of the last five state titles as the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, as you sit today, is is there a dream job out there for you? And, and what would that look like if there was? 
Well, only God knows the answer to that. You know, I get asked all the time, why are you not a head coach? Why are you not coaching in college? And really just the right opportunity and the right timing hasn't presented itself yet. But really, you know, I needed 17 years to learn my craft. And R4 would not be what it is without those 17 years of painful self-discovery and trial and errors. So, you know, being in the environment I have and kind of postponing my personal career goals has really um, allowed to create something that, you know, hasn't been done before. And so, you know, there, there's a benefit to that. But, but I'm ready for a new challenge. U- ultimately, my dream job is to be a part of a team of passionate men that want to be a part of something great. And, and something that has never been done for, done before. And whether that's in the NFL college or a fourth grade youth team in West Texas, I, I'm just telling you, I'll be happy as long as it's with a team of guys that have the same passion for this game. And I guess we'll just see what happens. Well, Coach, it's been really great having you on the, the podcast. One of the traditions that we have on here, um, like we like to ask at the end of the podcast is, hypothetically, if you had to pick a walk-up song, uh, maybe as a professional wrestler or a professional baseball player, what would Dub Maddox's walk-up song be? Well, you know, if I was a baseball player, it'd be something a little bit more, you know, chill. If I was a wrestler, that'd have to be something hardcore. But <laughs> let's say I'm a baseball player. Uh, it would probably be, uh, you know, I Won't Back Down from Tom Petty would, would be kind of my theme song. Um, you know, that, that would be a good one. If I was a wrestler, I'd have to think about that. But it's going to have to be something pretty intimidating. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Coach. That's a good answer. Hey, I tell you what, um, you can get Adapted Die book on Amazon. It's available in ebook on Kindle. Uh, both formats hit number one in the football section on Amazon sales last week. And if you want more information on the complete R4 system, you can go to our website at r4footballsystem.com. Sign up, become a member. Um, there's uh, 50 plus video modules, all the game planning, play call sheets, practice plans. It's really a great network of coaches that are uh, learning how to put R4 into their um, system. And I want to give a discount code to all the guys listening to this podcast. If you want to become a member of the system, the discount code is IG10. That's capital IG10. And that will give you 10% off. And I want to thank you guys for having me on. You guys asked some great questions. You're doing a great job. And, and thanks for your efforts in improving our game. Dub, the pleasure's been been ours. We're we're so thankful to have you on the podcast and sharing all your knowledge with us. And we only wish you the best of luck in the future. Thanks a lot, Dub. Good luck. If you found this podcast helpful, please take the time to go and leave a review either on Stitcher or iTunes and let us know what you think.